Oh, right, aren't they? <laughs> I just let the uh, sound guys uh, bring me back to a level that's tolerable. But I'm um, like Rod, we're in the same mould and I use paper. Yeah, yeah paper. No such thing as recycling or anything like that. Good old paper. Um, but seen I'm only up here once every three or four years, um, sort of take, slightly take a, a little bit of liberty in that uh, I didn't get a chance to speak in January. And can anybody remember what the series was in January? Summer playlist. Somebody got it. Well, I had a summer playlist. Um, and I want to combine that my summer playlist with one verse wonders. And I don't know how many of you know that I am still have the title of a postal manager in Narrabri, so it all just uh, fits together. And you'll wonder why. I belong to this guy's um, fan club, literally, back in the 60s. See if you can work it out. Oops. We got any volume? There should be some volume there. You couldn't uh, just think of the, the song that he's going to sing. I gave a letter to the Anybody know who that is? Return to sender. And if you can turn with me to your Bibles, I'm going to take my one verse wonder from John chapter 14 and verse 3. Linking that song with this verse and my experience is... John, uh, Jesus said, if I go to a, prayer, a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Return to sender. For the historians that are with us this morning, I take you back to World War II and a, a, a story about a general in the US Army who was known as General MacArthur. And he was stationed in the Philippines. And on the uh, um, directive of uh, President Roosevelt, he was told to leave the Philippines. And in leaving the Philippines, he came to Australia through the centre of Australia and made his way to, um, to Melbourne, where he made a particular speech. And in that speech, the words he said to the Filipino people, I will return. That was in March 1942. October 1944, two and a half years later, he actually went back to the Philippines. He landed on a different island, but he was back in the Philippines. And he declared that particular day, he said, the people of the Philippines, I have returned. MacArthur, this general, was a man of his word. But we have one who is even more not only a man of his word, but a God of his word. Jesus said, I will return. I go to a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. If we think about 
Jesus was crucified. He died. Some 40-odd days, the disciples were gathered in Jerusalem and they were standing there. And in Acts chapter 1, if you can read that, Acts chapter 1, just read a couple. Jesus said this to them as he lifted, he was lifted up into the sky. And while they were watching, he went into a cloud and they could not see him. They were staring into the sky where he had gone and suddenly two men wearing white clothes were standing beside them. They said, men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking into the sky? You saw Jesus carried away from, from you into heaven. He will come back in the same way that you saw him go. I grew up in the Assemblies of God, back, made a decision back in the 60s, and they have since become the ACCC. And in one of their Bible studies that I found in Pastor Renee's office, on the second coming, it says this, the second coming of Christ is one of the constantly repeated messages in the New Testament. It is mentioned over 300 times. 50 times in the New Testament, believers are admonished to watch and be ready for his coming. Its importance is not overstated. In fact, in Titus, Paul said to the, the Christians there, this is the blessed hope, that Jesus said he will come again. No one knows the time except God when he comes again. Matthew chapter 24. Um, and I'll, I'll just abbreviate this to read verses Verse 36 says, No one knows the day or the time will be. The Son of Man and the angels in heaven don't know when it will be. Only the Father knows when the Son of Man comes. And then he goes on to use the illustration of what happened in the times of Noah, that Noah preached for many years, the sermon, and people didn't respond until the rain started to come and then the ark was closed. It came upon them. And it says, In the time that Christ will come, there will be like two people in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. But then it says in verse 42, So always be ready that you don't know the day the Lord will come. Again, John, in, in a prophetic word through Revelation chapter, in chapter 1, it says, Look, Jesus is coming with the clouds. Everyone will see him even those he pier who pierced him. All the peoples of the earth will cry loudly because of him. Yes, this will happen. The Lord says, I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the one who was, who is and who always was and who is coming again. I am the all-powerful. Through the prophets, through Jesus, through the scriptures, God's word is truth. God does not lie. He's not able to lie. And certainly he says that he is coming again. This is the hope that we as Christians have. Now, many of you know I've just returned from five weeks in Europe. I planned it for probably 12 months or more. And then it fell apart in October, then I replanned it. But there was those, after I'd paid the deposit, paid for all the fees, there was a time of waiting for it to happen. You know, that's the slowest three or four months that, that you're just waiting with expectation to get on that plane and, and head off.
And yet this is what the scriptures say that we should be like with the coming of Christ. We have an expectation that Jesus is coming again and the excitement that goes with it. Our hope is that one day we will see with great expectation that Jesus comes again. You know, the early church, they thought he would come in their generation. It's obvious that we're still here today that he didn't. But I can tell you this, that we are one day closer to the coming of the Lord than what we were yesterday. Because Jesus had made a promise, and his promises are far better than MacArthur's, that he will come again. Paul gives us an example that we should live a life that is respectful and honouring in a way that we are actually uh, representatives of heaven. In Titus chapter 2, it says that this is the way that we should live because God's grace has come, that grace can save everyone. It teaches us not to live against God and not to do the bad things the world wants to do. It teaches us to live on earth now in a wise and right way, a way that shows true devotion to God. We should live like that while we are waiting for the coming of our great God and Saviour. We should live a life that's pure and representative. I, I thought about um, on many occasions in the different cities that I was in, they, they generally they took us past all the, um, the residences of the different ambassadors. An ambassador is one that was representing their country in a foreign land. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Representatives of God's kingdom here on earth to those that are living around about us. Jesus himself preached in, in Luke 21. He said there'll be all sorts of strange signs, the sun, the moon and the stars. Um, you heard of earthquakes and wars and rumours of wars and all these sorts of things. The people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud and with power and great glory. You know, just as he went, Jesus will come again. So then all these things will begin to happen. Stand and look up for your salvation is near. We have a hope that Jesus will come to receive us under himself. That where he is, we may be also. But what happens if we are to die before Jesus comes? Does that not void that hope? Of course not. But we have a hope as a Christian. What happens when we die? What takes place? You know, Hebrews chapter 9 says that Am I going backwards or forwards? Don't know. I'm going forwards. I need to go back to... No, maybe it's not there. I'll just read it to Hebrews 9.27. It says, Everyone must die. Then they are judged. So Christ was offered as a sacrifice one time to take away the sins of many people. And he will come a second time. But not to offer himself for sin. He will come a second time to bring salvation to those that are waiting for him. 
I happened to sit behind Troy, and can you see what's on the back of Troy's shirt? Can stand up, turn around, so I can at least read it again. It says, Occupy till Christ returns. Thank you, Troy, for wearing that shirt today. I'm not sure where these um, slides are up to. See, I'm not technology. It's, uh, yeah. All right. Um, there was a, a Malcolm C. Davis is a, a preacher from, from London. His definition of hope is a Christian hope may perhaps be defined as faith waiting patiently for God to fulfill his promises to us. Another definition was hope, as in the New Testament, is happy and confident expectation of enjoying some unforeseen and future promise of God. I don't know when Christ will come, whether, whether it be tomorrow, next week, or even after I pass away. But as a Christian, we have a hope that even if we should die before he comes, that we shall be with him. And I, Again, I was on holidays and floating around Europe, had a lot of time to contemplate and meditate, and I saw a lot of... Um, memorials while I was in Europe of, of people that had died. And obviously there are many people that died. We went a week and a half ago to um, Ken Patterson's funeral, and a, a guy that had served God for a long, long time. And the testimonies that were, were there and what had happened through his life, he, there was an expectation, a hope, that his body may remain in the ground, but his spirit returned back to God. I visited the catacombs in Rome and they were empty. There was a few that still had remnants of bones still in them, but generally they were empty. There was no bodies there. However, I went to another uh, Catholic church, the uh, Capuchin Crypt, where there was bones of 3,700 uh, friars, monks, in, in the, the chapels. But that's all they were, bones. There was nothing else there. And it was interesting in, in the, um, it, it was in the, uh, uh, the catacombs that the, the guide said to me this, from the womb to the tomb, from the tomb to the womb. I started to think about that. We live, we're born, and we die. But when we die, he was inferring that we're born again into a new kingdom. Hmm. from the womb to the tomb, from the tomb to the womb. Our hope is that one day we will be with the Lord. There was many memorials, you know. I, I saw to, it, the war cemeteries where it had an insignia known only unto God. They were just bodies. Nobody could identify them. But I'm thankful that God knows each and every one of us. Not only is there an expectation of Christ's return, but there's the hope that should we die before he returns, that we will be with him in heaven. Have you ever been to an unbeliever's funeral? They're sad, they're miserable, they're, there's no hope. But we as believers have a hope that Christ will not only come again, but should we die, he will take us to be with him.
If I can find Hebrews. Where am I? Maybe that's where I... I no, it's Hebrews 6 is what I wanted. <laughs> See? It's all just to get you in here. <laughs> Hebrews 6, 18. So God has given us both the promise and his oath that these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore we have, who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor to our soul. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest. Corinthians. There we are. For we know that when this earthly tent that we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. But I, I have a hope that should I die, my body might remain in the ground, but my spirit shall be for, forever with the Lord. Those that have died as believers, you know, we will see them again. About a month before my son died, he made a recommitment of his life to the Lord. He had gone astray. He had um, done his own thing, but uh, it, it was through a, an, an Amway conference, believe it or not. They had an, a church service on the Sunday morning and he stood up and went forward and made a, a recommitment of his life. And I have a hope that I will see him again. And that's because... He made a recommitment of his life to Jesus. And we have a hope that we will see that our loved ones that have made a decision to receive Jesus. We will see them once again. As I said earlier, we are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We need to live that. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our saviour. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. I want to conclude and bring it to an end because, you know, this morning, each and every one of us can walk out of this place with a confidence, with an assurance in our hearts of what would happen should we get hit by a truck. Should today or tomorrow be our very last day on earth, we can have a confidence that we know that we will be with our Lord, our Saviour. Jesus said he will come again to receive you unto himself. But how do we have that confidence? Our confidence is built by the fact that we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. Jesus himself said in John 14, uh, verse 6, as we follow on, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but through me. One last story, it's part of my conclusion. But in Germany, and when in Germany, you get, I was in Berlin, and I, Renee was there some months before me. 
But when you're in Berlin, you go to the Berlin Wall. It's one of the obviously sightseeing sites that people go to. But it got me thinking. And as they explained the reason why the Berlin Wall was put up, and the explanation that I got was the East put up the wall to keep the West out. Not the other way around. But the West, to me, I thought about it was freedom and liberty. We lived in a Western society. The Eastern side was for oppression. And the Great Wall around it was only up for 29 years and then it came down. And I think of the, that sin separates us from God and the wall that is between us and God has come down and Jesus has built a bridge. Not only did he take the wall down, but he built a bridge so that we might be able to go to heaven. I am the way, the truth and the life. And this morning, you can walk out this place, from this place with confidence, knowing that you have an eternal life. Should Jesus not return in your lifetime, we will go to live with him. Thanks, Renee. That was a great tie-in. We didn't actually... Where's Wayne gone? I